Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Fully Automated and Occupy IR Theory podcast. Well, Magnus Paulson Hansen joins us now. He is an associate professor at Roskilde Department of Social Sciences and Business. He's primarily a scholar in labor market policy issues, but he has written some really fascinating stuff over the last few years on social theory, specifically focusing on a debate that longtime listeners to this show will know that I am kind of uh, uh, obsessed with, and that is the debate about whether Foucault was a neoliberal. Uh, One of our very first ever interviews on this show was with uh, Mark Kelly, and we talked with him for a long time about uh, whether or not Foucault was a neoliberal. Um, Magnus has done the deep dive work on this and is a real specialist. Uh, So we've brought him in here today to talk with us about his 2015 piece in Foucault Studies called Foucault's Flirt. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But um, first of all, let me just start by welcoming you to the show, Magnus. Thank you so much, Nick. It's a great privilege to be here. I'm actually so excited to have you here because um, we've been trying to organize this for a while and, um, you know, it's it's a conversation I think we initially had over Christmas. But um, just to get uh, listeners into the frame of mind for thinking about uh, this debate and more interestingly, perhaps and more importantly, the stakes of this debate, there's a long history of people claiming Foucault was somehow secretly a this or that. Um, But honestly, the secret things that Foucault was claimed to be seem very, very diverse. And uh, a lot of claims are made about ultimately the ideology he represented. In your uh, your piece, Foucault's Flirt, you give uh, some sense of the range uh, of, of these views, uh, mentioning two works. Uh, one is by uh, uh, Geoffroy uh, La Seigneurie, and then the other is by Daniel Zamora. And these texts, I suppose, all in some way or another, ex- you know, explore the implications of Foucault's alleged neoliberalism. But you know, even as I'm thinking, there's 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 other work that I've come across um, over the last few years, even claiming Foucault was a like a closeted Bolshevik. I think that was Sergei Prozorov's work. So, you know, that's a lot of very perplexing claims to be made about just one man. How can he be all of these different things? Um, maybe let's just start with the premise here, you know, that... Um, that we approach an author looking for some kind of hidden or unconscious intention. Um, what are what are your own assumptions theoretically when you are beginning to think about who or what an author is, ideologically speaking? Yeah, that that's kind of the the the, the really yeah grand and and yeah mostly theoretical question you could say methodological question also, mm-hmm. um, and you could say that. Yeah, in many ways, it's it's these kind of works that you just mentioned that's that made started me to reflect upon uh, upon these issues also in, in more general terms. But um, because I think they 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 the interesting thing is that this is a this is a this is a debate about 
um, how to interpret the writings of Foucault, but it's also, let's say, it's also uh, a debate about uh, uh, the issue of how to interpret, uh, you could say, documents and text in general in, um, in in empirical analysis, because what these what these scholars do is is kind of read read Foucault as 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 a not just a, 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 a man who develops a, a theory and so on, but also a, an intellectual with a, with a particular role in the political history of, of social and political history of France. And I think that they, so, so, so I think that there's, they have an important uh, point and argument in, 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 um, and let's say the importance of of contextualizing um, his writing and and you know writing in general. Um, um, so and it's I think it's a, it's an issue about this delicate balance in between um, contextualizing <laughs> writings. So that is kind of like moving oneself, interpreting the text by means that are located outside of the text. You could say events, um, uh, all, all kinds of issues, but also staying, uh, on the other hand, uh, staying, uh, taking seriously actually what, what the text in itself is trying to say. And I think, um, so, so while I'll, uh, I, I agree with the, the, the importance and, um, of, 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 of thinking about what, what, how are these writings at the end of the seventies uh, that Foucault was, uh, uh, or not actually not writings, but uh, was lectures giving at, at the Collège uh, de France? Uh, how how were they? How are we to interpret these writings in the context of what was going on? All the crazy things that were going on in in France in the late seventies. Um, but on the other hand, uh, also actually just read the text by itself and try to say what, what is he trying to say in these lectures? Uh, so, it, and, and one of the things that I, I, I start the text um, that you mentioned with this um, now uh, quite famous quote from Foucault, where he says that he's been, he's been accused of, of being all these kind of, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, yeah, endorsing all these different kinds of uh, ideologies, but um, um, it's so, 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 so what's the point with that? I think that it's one of the problems with, yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of a detour now, but in terms well, of- No, but I mean, maybe yeah. just for the listeners, because it is such a good quote. And uh, actually yeah. there's two quotes at the start of that piece. Yeah. And um, yeah, as I, you say, there's this one where he says, like, I think I have- in fact, being situated in most of the squares of the political checkerboard, one after another, and sometimes simultaneously, as anarchist, leftist, ostentatious or disguised Marxist, nihilist, explicit or secret anti-Marxist, technocrat in the service of Gaulism, neoliberal, and so on. None of these descriptions is important by itself. Taken together, on the other hand, they mean something. And I must admit, I rather like what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's being a, a bit playful there, I think, but um, there's a serious point, right? Yeah, and I think one of the things that he is um, uh, alluding to is the problem with uh, actually, um, you know, 
for instance, um, trying to tease out the essence of what is Foucault, for instance, or right. whatever writer. And uh, I think there is an important point in Foucault that he changes all the times and that he is obviously in doubt many times also, and he is also in doubt with his own previous writings. Uh, and I think that there's mm -hmm. an important point that uh, if we are to interpret these uh, lectures on, on neoliberalism, they, we must think about them as also um, a rupture with, 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 with the, what, what he has had been doing in, in the mid seventies. Um, so, so we should be, so, you know, so, so there's this problem of, of trying to find out what is the, the hidden essence of, of, of an author, uh, when in fact, uh, you know, I, I see myself in there a lot. I, I'm personally mm -hmm. a, a lot of <laughs> in doubt a lot about what, what I actually think about, uh, certain things. And I think it's, um, so that's one thing. The other thing is, um, so we could interpret this quote as Foucault, um, you know, uh, so he's kind of uh, oscillating in between all these positions because he doesn't know what, what he thinks about certain things. Uh, so at one time he was Maoist, one another time he was <laughs> new liberal, um, which I think is a, is a, is a wrong in interpretation. I actually think that at least if we think about the, 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 the kind of critical, uh, academic intellectual project that, that Foucault was trying to develop, it was, uh, that that's what I try to uh, have tried to to term as as a kind of a non-normative kind of critique that he was trying to elaborate, which was not, you know, not based on a on a certain ideology or normative uh, uh, guideline or principle, but um, trying to yeah open basically trying to 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 open the space for for other kinds of thinking. Um, and, and, and that kind of opening of the space mm -hmm. is always dependent on the, uh, the, the concrete situation in which, uh, these kind of, these analysis are situated within, which is why they need to change all the time also. Right. Um, right. Well said. So maybe now, um, just to shift from that abstract level to yeah. something more, uh, tangible, I think for the listeners, because of course this, 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 this abstract question becomes very tangible in its stakes when we start to think about the specific charge uh, that you're looking at in the piece, which is whether or not he was a neoliberal. Now, I mean, that word is going to mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And as you observe in your piece, the left seems to have some trouble actually settling on a definition of neoliberalism. And you say that for the left, it's almost as if the it's a it's almost as if it's like an all-consuming. I think you say cold beast of our time. So maybe just for a moment, uh, we can assume that it is an all-consuming cold beast. And and in that light, what would be the best faith defense in your view of the argument that Foucault was in fact a neoliberal? Yeah. So there's a number of, um, yeah, so there's really a, n a number of what I call circumstantial evidence. I mean, it's not because since he said this, the things he said in, in the quote that you just mentioned, you know, he never, he never explicitly claimed to be a neoliberal, obviously. So there, it has to be, uh, yeah, circumstantial evidence. Um, 
So, um, yeah, I can try to 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 tease out the argument and also s try to point out what what I think are the strongest claims. I mean, I I think sort of the underlying the underlying assumption um, in, in this in this argument is that Foucault um, um, was searching that that's what they say that they that he was searching for um, a left governmentality. So. Um, a kind of leftist program that somehow also departs from um, from um, from more um, orthodox Marxist or communist um, programs at the time, um, and 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 then that we should see um, his uh, um, his writings or his uh, analysis of, of neoliberalism in that context. So we should see them as um, so. Hey, so kind of here is Foucault uh, um, discovering uh, neoliberal theory as uh, a potentially new um, leftist governmentality. Um, th th that's that's kind of the the, the overall argument. Um, and then there is. Um, I think that's a, 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 I think that's a wrong argument, but that's 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 the argument. Um, and, and then there is also a number of other uh, more even more uh, circumstantial evidence. There is his um, um, interest, uh, also engagement in in what is called the the second left in in France, um, which was um, yeah. Um, in 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 this uh, in in let's say the in 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 uh, in, the, in 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 the eyes of those who see Foucault becoming neoliberal, the second left is like uh, the equivalent of uh, third way politics in uh, in in the Anglo-Saxon world. So um, so uh, again, I think that's that's um, a problematic argument also. <laughs> and then there is um, then there is also his. Uh, to some extent, support of what is called what was called uh, the, the new philosophers in in in, in France, um, that were uh, very critical of um, um, many things, but also the in particular the the Soviet uh, regime and, and, and communism uh, at the time, and 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 then, then there is perhaps the which is I think the most um, interesting claim. Um, um, then there is um, the fact that um, that some of his ideas actually, to some extent, have been informing um, the kind of transformations that were going on post '68 in France, and that were eventually developing into something uh, which we could say is is kind of a, a neoliberal uh, ideology or way of thinking and the, in particular there is um um some of, of uh, his his students and in particular uh Francois Evald who was his kind of uh, right hand or assistant at at the collège de France and has been um uh, editing all the volumes coming out uh, uh after his death on, from from uh, editing the lectures, um, who um, uh, started as a Maoist, uh, radical Maoist, then met Foucault, then uh, got in, then made his grand thesis on um, 
uh, on the French welfare state and then ended up uh, being a, a kind of a, a right hand to um, uh, to the director of uh, or the, the chairman of the French uh, private uh, insurance industries uh, association uh, and uh, promoting uh, uh, a lot of the, the labor market reforms that uh, we also to some extent could see as as, as as neoliberal labor market reforms in France in the, in the, in the zeros. So, so there is definitely some kind. So, so there are, and, and we have in, uh, along that thinking, we also have the, the famous, uh, um, diagnosis of, uh, Boltanski and Chapello, the new spirit of capitalism that also points to the way that, you know, the way that some, some, uh, 68 thinking along, uh, and including, uh, uh, the thinking of, of Foucault, uh, the, the critique of power, uh, the, 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 the emphasis on, 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 on autonomy and, and freedom and so on, the way these kind of thinkings also, um, underpinned, informed, uh, uh, uh the transformation, uh, in, 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 uh, in management thinking towards, um, uh, you know, self, uh, government, um, uh, uh, removing of hierarchies in, 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 in industries and so on. Um, so, 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 so yeah, uh, <laughs> that was not very brief, but that's kind of, so there were many, no. many, many individual stuff that they kind of put together and say, okay, yeah. So maybe for listeners, um, who are not super steeped in this stuff, um, I think to sort of say where we are now is you've just, elaborated uh, what is the best case scenario uh, that Foucault was a neoliberal. And what you have said is important, that uh, these are largely sort of circumstantial pieces of evidence. They are uh, intellectual proximities um, of people he was working with, are ways in which his theoretical work has been seen to uh, sort of pave a dangerous intellectual slope uh, that has uh, sort of seduced the left and left it defanged in the face of the knowledge and the form and, and knowledge specifically of forms of power uh, that it needs to oppose, but also needs to take seriously if it's going to build forms of appropriate counterpower too. So um, let's uh, jump into that theme now, because one of the major accusations that Daniel Zamora and people like him have is that Foucault uh, was ultimately a kind of a critic of the post-war uh, welfare state and that as such he is a servant of the forces of reaction. Uh, but here's a thing, I suppose, uh, again, as you've said, like it's hard to nail this down because so, so much of this evidence seems circumstantial. My own reading is that Foucault, while he, it's often claimed that he was opposed to the state, in many instances does seem to reveal himself as someone who um, opposed a certain liberal uh, or libertarian uh, uh, or anarchist even obsession with the state, even what he called a state phobia. Uh, which seems to assume that the DNA, you know, of fascism can be discovered in every gesture of the state. So what I'm sort of saying is, I guess, that Foucault is opposed to that. And 
um, that's my reading of him. And it's especially an interesting reading, I think, that comes to the fore in the context of today's, you know, heated debate with Agamben about coronavirus measures and whether or not these are amplifying the permanent state of exception. We, uh, Our last guest on the show is Garnet Kindervater, and we were talking a little bit about th th this kind of thing. You know, Zizek and Agamben have kind of been debating this in the last few weeks. Um, so I guess this is my curiosity then. How do we square Foucault's anti-libertarianism with this idea that he was somehow opposed to like every brick in the state, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think that is that is really where there is um the importance of of not trying to insist on 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 the essence of Foucault. I think that there is a uh I, th I really think that beginning with the so we have these lecture series uh, each year that he was he was doing uh, at the Collège de France and um the year before during the lectures on, on neoliberalism he 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 made the famous lectures on on security territory and, and population in which he elaborated the these ideas of uh, that are now known as as governmentality and i think and i think really think that there's a there's an, an important switch or change in, in his way of thinking. I think that it is fair to say that uh, when you read both the um, Discipline and Punish and um, the first volume of, of the history of sexuality, I think that that, that came out in, in the mid 70s. I think that it, it is fair to say that these could be seen as kind of really a, a radical critique of, of, of state power <laughs> and um, you know certain forms of state power and and really you could really yeah i it's i think at least you can understand why this had hasn't have informed a kind of both libertarian but i would also say yeah anarchist uh perspective on uh, you know the state as um as as sort of in essence problematic but i think that um and he's, he kind of says that when he begins these these lectures on security and territory and population, that he's that he is kind of becoming <laughs> critical about about this 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 kind of critique, you could say, about the state. Um, um, and and uh, for for I guess for for two reasons. One is that um, there was a, a, a state phobia uh, on on the radical left that he saw. Uh, as problematic, but there was, um, and that is where the, it, it is crucial. There was also a state phobia on on the right. Um, that is new new liberal thought that that was uh, uh, at the end of the seventies. That's what he says, beginning to um, inform uh, the transformation of the state from within. So so. So if we, and that's that's where the, it's it's a really um, I think it's a really <laughs> complex argument that he's trying to make, and which is also why perhaps that he's being mis misinterpreted. But it is this point that if we are to understand what is the state today, <clears throat> that is uh, um, at the end of the seventies, but I think that goes for for today also. Um, we have to look at the way in which. State-phobic thought has informed the transformation of the state. <laughs> so, so it is this argument that neoliberalism is a form of state phobia, but it is also at the same time it is a way of thinking that play that attributes 
a, a very prominent uh, role for to the state. Um, so, um, so, so that is the argument that he's trying to make. Okay, he says yeah he, ha he has some some really uh, telling quotes. I mean, he's and he's much more much much more explicit in in these lectures than. Um, and he ever is in, for instance, in discipline and punish. He's actually saying that, you know, so he, he speaks about this, this kind of, um, state phobia. And then he says that, um, so he's, uh, and, 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 and he speaks about the problem with actually doing exactly what, uh, a, a, a figure like Agamben is doing today, saying that, you know, uh, making these, quick analysis of, of um, state practices and then referring back to whatever the uh, fascism or the concentration camp and so on, right? These kind of analysis that Agamben is making, but the point, his point is that that is also the kind of analysis that, uh, that for instance, Hayek is making. He's, he, he says, yeah, so he says that, you know, he's, he says about the, when speaking about Hayek, he's, um, he speaks about the problem of of losing specificity when you when you speak about the state as as just the state. So so when you you make an he says you make an analysis of social security and you end up referring to the analysis of concentration camps just <laughs> in in right. one sentence, right? Um, yeah. And then, I mean, it's not like it's a typical leap, right? I'm just I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. And and yeah. And it's interesting because that is. Um, He's saying that way before uh, Agamben developed his thinking on on Homo Saker and and all this, but I think it's uh, um, this this um, thinking it's, it's, it exemplifies that this kind of thinking exists both on on on, uh, on the left and and on the right. But 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 I just want to go back to the to the to the quote here when when he situates the the new liberalism the the kind of German new liberalism that he's. That he, he, he looks into in, in the lectures and he think, he, he says, uh, and I quote, um, I also mean that we should not delude ourselves about the nature of the historical process, which currently renders the state both so intolerable, intolerable and so problematic. It is for this mm. reason. And so, so, yeah. So he says that the state is becoming intolerable and problematic, but he says also that it is for this reason that I would like to study more closely the organization and diffusion of what we could be called this German model. And, and here he, he speaks about the German auto liberalism, which is the, right. the, the particular, um, German version of, of new liberal thought. And uh, the German model, which, which is being diffused, debated and forms part of our actuality. Structuring it and carving out its, its real shape is the model of a possible neoliberal governmentality. So, yeah. So I think that's kind of, that kind of, he's, he's, uh, he's kind of unusually explicit about why he, he, he he's looking to, he, he starts to look at, mm. at neoliberalism, which is the first time, uh, uh, ever. And he, he never does it again. It's, it's, it's the only time that he looks into contemporary thought. <laughs> right. Um, That's the most interesting thing about it yeah. in some ways, right? Yeah. Like he's just not someone who in lectures or in um, his published work 
comments on contemporary no. affairs. I mean, there's always that sort of assumption that he's saying something about contemporary affairs via the past, but it's not always clear that you know that that these genealogies, rich as they are, are 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 targeted to uh, a particular side, taking a particular side, or making a particular intervention. Yet here, you know, almost exclusively, he's he's doing it. Yeah. And I think that's, a, 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 that's another really interesting quote. And that is kind of um, important to understand why this is also a kind of, um, it is also, a, um, this is also a critique of a certain um, leftist, leftist thinking at, at the time of the 70s, which were actually, so the point is that if the left adopts a state phobia uh, kind of thinking, they become blind to see how, uh, state phobic thought is, is actually transforming the state. I think that's, that's a kind of argument. So, uh, mm. so he's actually kind of making the argument that is kind of used that, against himself, you could <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the most fascinating po point, really, like uh, in a nutshell. So, so he's, he's really pointing to, so he has this uh, quote, which I find really interesting also, which is pointing to, so, so he, what he says, he says, those who denounce that standardizing mass society of consumption and spectacle, etc. So he's referring to Debord, but he, I think he's also yeah. referring to his own analysis of disciplinary power and so on. They are mistaken mm. when they think they are criticizing the current objective of governmental policy. They are criticizing something else that was certainly on the horizon of the arts of government from the 20s to the 60s. 60s. But so, so that is kind of the golden age era, you could say, of, of the, of welfare state and so on. But he's, he's, he's seeing that the state is developing into something else in, in, in the seventies. So he's, what he says now is that we, but we have gone beyond that, this, that stage. So we are no longer in this golden age period, uh, welfare state period. The out of government program by the auto liberals around the 1930s and which has now become the program of most governments in capitalist society, countries absolutely does not seek the constitution of that type of society. It involves obtaining a society that is oriented towards the multiplicity and differentiation of enterprises, um, period. So, yeah, so, and I think that is kind of, um, um, also, I mean, it's also, uh, it's, it's why I, this was, this was the kind of text that I was actually starting. I, I did not come as a Foucauldian scholar reading all this, uh, his books and stuff. I, 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 I started by with the biopolitics lectures and, 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 and reading this. And I think it's really, I mean, prophetic in some ways. I mean, it's before Thatcher, it's before Reagan, uh, that he actually, um, um, kind of already, um, talks about a kind of a neoliberal era. Um, um, and which is why he, like no no other uh, leftist at, at that time, actually paid attention and interest in in in, in neoliberal thought. I mean, and, and that's, that's perhaps another issue that, um, in, which is, um, you know, the the kind of thinking that or the the idea that lies behind this idea of seduction. Um, uh, that's and these authors um, that you mentioned in the beginning and, and the books that I that I reviewed by Samoa and, and La Canerie, they, they, may, they use this term often, seduction. Um, and I think they kind of, um, misunderstand also the kind of style of writing that Foucault has, which is, um, can be seen to be very, it, it's, 
it's very in, it, it engages a lot in the in the text that he's reading. So it's it really tries to tease out whatever rationality is behind these kind of writings that he looks into. So that means that he is and without any kind of explicit denunciations or not, um, I mean, uh, explicit, um, you know, it's, yeah, uh, he's not explicitly saying that this is bad or this is unjust and so on. Um, so I think he kind of, they kind of misinterpret uh, the, the fact that he is taking these writings very seriously as, as an endorsement. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that seems clear. Um, but maybe you know, not to sort of put you on the spot, but maybe mm. there's a there's a sort of a uh, a way of reading some of these critiques as as being somewhat in in bad faith. And I I uh, I, do, I don't know that I'm sort of necessarily willing to say that myself. But I think it's a question that's should be explored uh, because some of these uh, critiques seem quite ad hominem as you point out in your piece and in your reviews, in your review of Zamora's um, edited volume, some of these uh, contributions uh, seem to be more about saying that Foucault was a conservative because he enjoyed too much talking about torture and SNM and things like this. And, you know, so there's, there's very sort of strange circumstantial mixed evidence being introduced into the equation there. Yeah. Um, and of course you yourself, to be clear, do not think Foucault was a neoliberal because he, uh, and I quote, you know, spoke of uh, neoliberal theories, imagination of itself, installing a permanent economic tribunal mm. and becoming a hegemonic model of social relations and of existence itself. So, yeah. you know, you know, you're you're pretty committed to the idea that Foucault wasn't a neoliberal. But but can you just comment on, um, I guess, <laughs> this sort of it's almost strange aspect of the way some of these critics are approaching the question. It's almost like they're just, they're searching around for just something to sort of take him down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's a, it's a delicate issue because I really don't want to go the way I think that, you know, these kind of authors go in the way that they interpret right. things. But uh, at least I see the old sort of, political context of today in which I understand these, these kind of criticisms is, um, you know, this, um, this, uh, tension in between the left and between what is, is, is termed as identity politics or whatever, in terms of some kind of, uh, as opposed to some kind of, um, right. Uh, leftist program that is, uh, um, going back to, yeah, old-fashioned issues of exploitation and redistribution and um, equality um, um, like income inequality um, so and and that is where Foucault is put into this again this kind of and in this interpretation you know 68 the, the kind of 68 thought uh, in which you know they 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 blend a lot of people together. I mean, it's Foucault, it's André Gortz, it's uh, it's a lot of people going into this uh, mm. this blend are kind of responsible for taking 
kind of neglecting the old-fashioned issues of, of yeah uh, they're the they're the intellectual virus that has yeah. corrupted the dna yeah. of uh, the left right yeah and and left it uh incapable um of uh, articulating a coherent response to late capitalism yeah and i don't really i think it's difficult to go into kind of yeah exactly i think it's problematic sure, to go into sure. the, you, but the I mean, intentions you see it today I, I, if, yeah. if you don't want to go there i will <laughs> yeah. you know that, that there there does i mean it and it is an interesting accusation and i think there is probably um i mean listeners to this show may not uh uh, be surprised um, that this topic has come up because it's been addressed before. But you know, there, there do, there does seem to be a kind of uh, a legitimate complaint to be made um, about today's sort of online Twitter left uh, with its various proliferating identities mm. and um, uh, you know, you know almost sort of um making uh sex positivity or something like yeah. this a, a form of politics which you know and and who's who's going to critique uh sex positivity i think that's a wonderful yeah. thing but i'm just not sure that it's a form of politics in and of itself and i think that's where the question of performativity comes in and i i mean um i may be leaving myself open to uh, to some hostility here but um hmm. The, um, the the question is whether performative politics, I think, uh, ultimately can amass sufficient momentum and energy to take on a vertically integrated enemy like capitalism that's embedded in the state. So yeah, um, that's that's really where that question uh, for me goes. So so Zamora and Co are um, worried about Foucault's complicity in, in this project. And I think what we're sort of suggesting here is in fact that, uh, maybe it's not so clear. No, I agree. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I agree. Although you could probably find, I mean, um, you could find fingers today. I mean, and I'm not an expert on this, but you could probably find, um, you know, fingers that, um, see themselves as inspired by Foucault and making these, these problematic um, statements about the way politics functions and so on. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. um, yeah, but again, I, that's, uh, that's, that's a bit like the same if whether you can, can, can you blame Foucault for, for the fact that Francois Evald, his student became, <laughs> you know, advisor for, for, uh, mm -hmm. for the insurance industry. Um, I, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of where, where the, the, the contextualization, um, yeah, kind of gets out of control, I think. Yeah. It meets, it reaches its limit. Yeah. Um, now one blind spot that you seem to have identified in Foucault's, shall we call it a critique of neoliberalism, mm. um, is that, well, I suppose you'd say that the common objection is that he has failed to anticipate the disciplinary aspects of contemporary neoliberalism, yeah. such as, for example, workfare. Yeah. But of course, this contention is complicated by the fact that, you know, a lot of these neoliberal innovations didn't really become in place uh, or weren't really put in place until the 19, late 1980s, uh, early 1990s. Yeah. So, okay, if this is a blind spot, or at least it's, it's said to be a blind spot, um, uh, 
how do we go about assessing that? Uh, yeah. In some ways, I suppose you could say it's a, a sign of uh, some scholarly weakness, but in other ways, it might just be that we are overloading the concept of neoliberalism to ask it to explain literally everything that happens yeah. in contemporary capitalism. So, you know, I, I'm just curious, like what yeah. what the what the skinny is there? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is this is moving. This question is moving closer to 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 my empirical field um, also, which is which is why there's yeah. Um, so I think that there is. It is fair to say that um, uh, some, to some extent, in his uh, his own uh, lectures, but also in um, especially in, in in what is now known as governmentality studies, you could you, you can find this um, kind of underlying thesis that yeah, exactly that we are moving away from sovereign and, and disciplinary power towards something much more. Um, Subtle, much more uh, working on the f the freedom of of, of um, taking into account the freedom of individuals, a much more environmental form of power, uh, and so on. So, and in in this diagnosis or thesis, there's also an idea that um, the state uh, is is less and less uh, important. Um, uh, so, so we can we can perhaps. Find this kind of thesis in in, um, in in people like like Rose and Miller, who 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 became kind of kind of key key uh, scholars in in this Anglo-Saxon governmentality uh, field, um, and I think you can also find it in so in in, in, in you know in his uh, security and territory and population lectures, in which he kind of see kind of see says that there are different types of um power governmental rationalities there's disciplinary power there's sovereign power and then there is this what he calls security dispositives uh, and that is where which is this i guess it's not really clear but i think that is where also where he situates uh, the kind of neoliberal thinking that he looks into the year after and which is um, I think it is fair to say that he overlooks the, the disciplinary, but I will also say author, author, authoritarian uh, issues uh, are themes within neoliberal thought, which is, um, I mean, a lot of scholars now kind of working along, I think working along his thinking, but also criticizing him on, on that uh, exact point for kind of neglecting uh um the the both um, yeah authoritarian and, and disciplinary uh uh sort of thinking there there is uh, also in, in in new liberal thinking um so and i think it's also may, maybe a matter of the kind of the way that Foucault works here is kind of also it's it's like i said it was it's the only time that he looks into contemporary thinking but it's also you, the only place in which he uh, does what seems to be kind of a straightforward uh, intellectual history of ideas kind of thing. So he doesn't really go into the actual practices um, of the state, for instance. He looks into the thinking of Rutke, a bit on Hayek, uh, Gary Baker, obviously, but but it's it's very really 
an intellectual history of ideas in which you don't see how these ideas actually unfold when they're put into practice. Um, and that kind of perhaps, um, that, 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 that is kind of problematic uh, and kind of makes him uh, kind of blind to, um, um, to these authoritarian and, and, uh, and disciplinary issues that are certainly uh, existing. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that's so in a sense, I, I, not to put words in your mouth, yeah. but uh, am I, am I hearing you saying something like um, that because Foucault maybe has a kind of, um, I don't know, let's let's exaggerate it a little bit here. He has a kind of a certain pretentious attitude towards methodology, where yeah. he is uh, sort of uh, just just really. Um, interested in meticulously getting to to the to the kind of genealogical kernels of these various uh intellectual positions mm. and 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 in, in sort of private detective mode you know yeah. he's um his, because his voice is is so forensic um it's not clear whether he has a praise or disdain for what he's reading. And, it, and it's hard to sort of see yeah. so, beyond the descriptive what the project is. Yeah. So you can say that one of the key key arguments that Samoa makes mm -hmm. is um, uh, looking into Foucault's interpretation of uh, Milton Friedman's um, negative tax scheme. Um, mm -hmm. Which is important also in the French context because it 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 actually has informed a lot the 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 kind of reforms of of, of labor market policy in, in in France. So, and 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 here Foucault is um, is making the argument. He's he's very explicit on this that you know the the kind of thinking that is behind the negative tax scheme uh, is 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 not disciplinary. So. So it's 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 departing from from the disciplinary thinking of if you can say uh, a workfare or workhouses or whatever what, what, mm -hmm. the kind of uh, mm -hmm. yeah um, the kind of uh, schemes that Foucault himself have had discovered in in, in discipline and punish so um, and and Samoa kind of makes the argument that since Foucault uh, since Foucault thinks that us and says that these this kind of thinking is not disciplinary. That must be an endorsement. But I think that's a. Uh, mm. But but I think he's Foucault is more trying to make the argument that th it's it's not disciplinary. It's another <laughs> governmental rationality that is at stake here, which is more environmental. It it's it's more you know it works in this uh, economic man and so on. Um, right. Um, and I think yeah. So Samoa has a. I think he has a this a uh, he has a point in saying that Foucault actually kind of maybe yeah here neglects the, the kind of more um, definitely neglects the way that <laughs> labor market policy has transformed and the way that workfare is is justified and so on. But but I think he's he, Foucault is making he's just making the analysis on the basis of let's say the ideal version of of the negative tax scheme. Uh, you know, so it's it's right. not, yeah, um, and more trying to show that here is actually there's something different at stake here. There's something, another form of power at stake here, which is different from the kind of disciplinary techniques that he had himself 
uh, teased out in, in discipline and discipline and punish, right? But on the other hand, I think, yeah, it's also um, <laughs> kind of kind of tough to blame an author for not like predicting <laughs> the way that uh, right that things were going. Uh, uh, for not predicting work fair and things. Yeah, like exactly. This, yeah, right. Which which seem to have these disciplinary yeah. elements. Yeah, and, I, and and that kind of goes to then how are we to interpret work fair work fair schemes and so on? Yes, uh, because and that's where we can we can come uh, we we come back to the the problems in in governmentality thinking. I think that it is fair to say that's also uh, Louis Vacan's uh, argument in who also has a. a a text in, right. in in the volume, but it's it's actually a, it's a uh, it's a chapter from from his book on on uh, punishing the poor, an excellent book I think, um, but which probably many of of, of the <laughs> of the listeners have 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 uh, yeah. have uh, discovered checked out yeah they they'll, they'll have heard of him at least yeah so for sure so Vakang's critique of of um, of, he has a he has a critique of governmentality scholars and also of you could say he 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 kind of he Vakang doesn't go into Foucault's writings on uh, on uh, biopolitics and neoliberalism but he 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 goes into the his his writings on disciplinary power um, mm -hmm. so the argument here is that by by since governmentality studies have been focusing on all these kind of very uh, subtle forms of power governing through numbers, statistics, um, you know, self-governing and so on. They have kind of, they, they have all looked this much more sovereign and much more spectacular forms of power that, 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 uh, that are developing along uh, neoliberal transformations of, of, of the state. Um, and, um, so, so the issue is whether we should as, uh, as whether the analysis is that we should should we include this uh, into this uh, monster of neoliberalism or should we try to, or, or, or is it more a mix of neoliberal thinking with other stuff, you know, in these workfare uh, transformations, which is like mm -hmm. a really difficult issue. I, I, I'm not settled on this. What I have tried to do is to show that at least if you look at the way that these reforms are justified and I've been looking into Denmark and France, like I said, um, it's right. it's certainly a way of thinking that is much older than neoliberal thinking. That we see the return of of logics and rationalities that 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 comply with with, with workhouse logics and so on. So it's a I, so I'm kind of I've been very skeptical towards this this diagnosis of um, you know a neoliberal era, you could say, because I think it's much more composite. Um, yeah. On the other hand, I I, I think that many of those looking into the intellectual history of ideas of uh, of neoliberal uh, neoliberalism have like also pointed out to my surprise how uh pertinent the issue of um you know uh the, for instance how pertinent the critique of democracy is in neoliberal thinking and how how explicit the legitimis legitimation of the use of uh, authoritative uh, uh, means are and so on. So, so there are kind of these two <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, ways of uh, diagnosing our our actuality that I'm not really I'm not myself settled on how to to think of this. But uh, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, these are these are the problems that we're trying to figure out. Yeah. 
So um, I suppose staying with this kind of question for a little bit longer then, um, I wonder, is it possible to flip the question on its head, so to speak? Because one thing we haven't talked about yet is Marxism. Uh, obviously, Zamora and people like that are coming from a Marxist point of view. Uh, but we haven't talked about Foucault and Marxism. And it seems pretty clear that there's um, there are there are strains within Marxism that Foucault does not find particularly appealing. Uh, but that's not to say at all that he rejected Marxism or at least um, a, a certain reading of it. So many of the criticisms, the Marxist criticisms of Foucault, seem to focus on the fact that he, as we were just sort of saying a minute ago, that he took these surface readings of ideology quite seriously. And uh, in a sense, you could say he took the extrinsic statements of elites to be actual reflections of their inner and, you know, internal beliefs and conversations. And of course, um, oh gosh, the name is going to escape me now, but the, the um, is it Morovsky uh, talks about the importance of distinguishing between, you know, the conversations elites are having amongst themselves and the conversations they're having publicly. And it seems that Foucault is taking these sort of more public statements too seriously. But nevertheless, I think it could also be uh, a defense of a certain Marxism that uh, elites, even amongst themselves, aren't always in perfect, always aren't always in possession of a sort of a perfect um, roadmap of what capitalism is, what it rationally needs, where it has to go, and indeed, in in capital, I think Marx in multiple moments is sort of saying like, look, the point here isn't what they're thinking uh, in their individual heads. The point is, is to try to understand capitalism as a system. And so I think in a sense, then um, Marx and Foucault share a, a view that, you know, ideology and capitalism seem to function apart from each other. Um, is that would you like to comment on that, yeah. or is there is there a, is there a way that maybe maybe rather than putting words in your mouth yeah. at the, in in the question, um, is there a way for you that it works to say that Foucault is Marxist? Yeah, I think that at least I mean, um, I think that he's uh, what he if there's a kind of consistency in his thinking, I think it's trying to not read uh, texts and um, thinking as ideology. <laughs> so, right, um, right. And so, and, and it, it, it does raise questions of how to, how to interpret, uh, are we then, uh, is the kind of thinking, that kind of text that he, lo he looks into uh, in these, uh, in these neoliberal um, lectures on, on neoliberalism, are they in fact just ideology to kind of legitimate and hide uh, other practices and other, uh, you know, hide the, the real consequences of reforms and so on. But I think that mm -hmm. if they are, I think he would, his answer would be that then we shouldn't, then we shouldn't read them. Then we should read other texts that are actually, so, so I think the, the key criteria for looking in, for 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 interp 
interpreting and, and uh, paying attention to a text is that it informs real practices. And I, so, and we can use texts as a way to understand the rationalities that are actually put into very real and very mundane uh, uh, practices uh, of the state, for instance. And I think that's I think that's kind of the um, that that's the reason why you have to take these texts very seriously. It's it's because they are um, we should read them as um, as uh, kind of uh, prisms or uh, lenses into uh, into the practices that are also informing the way that. That's that's uh, the other point. The practices that also inform the way that we are thinking about ourselves. So it's a much more so. It's it's premise on the idea that you cannot really, yeah. If we are to speak of capitalism or you know, whatever, I mean, it's we cannot really externalize it. <laughs> um, and uh, and if we are to, for instance, if we are to. Um, um, move away from certain neoliberal thinking, we have to understand the way that they neoliberal thinking um, is not just a way of legitimizing uh, elite practices and hiding them. It's, it's actually a way of um, making uh, us think and look uh, on ourselves and others in, in, in certain ways. <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, I think that's kind of the message to, you could say that's where I think it. Yeah, I I have no problem in in seeing him as a Marxist because I think it's a very it's a project that is highly critical and highly yeah wants to in some way takes us take us take us away from 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 forms of power that are related to to capitalism. But it's at least to say that capitalism, if we are to understand capitalism, we have to. And, and move away from it, we have to also question all those um, forms of power that that uh, that underpin it. And and that was that was the argument. That was his his great critique of Marxist thinking at the time that they were kind of mm. blind to see the way that um, that the for instance the the the, the Soviet uh, the regime actually if you looked at if you look to to the way they organized their factories <laughs> and their schools and so on it was the same disciplinary forms of power uh that were used in the west so right. uh, um so um so if if so if we are to move away from from uh, from that we we have to <laughs> we have to question other things than just just uh, the way the, the 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 means of production are organized and so on um, well, I've had you on now for over an hour, so yeah. maybe we have time. Uh, you feel indulge me for just one last question. Yeah. Um, and I suppose in some ways it's the important question, the most important question, which uh, I think uh, should be expressed maybe that, you know, if, if Foucault was above all a... a um, a critic of the way that even um, anti-state ideologies like neoliberalism can themselves sort of become governmental rationalities, then, you know, in, in the closing passages of your piece, you speak yourself of the need to update governmentality studies mm. and the fact that governmentality research has drifted 
perhaps unhelpfully from some of Foucault's core teachings. And I'm reading you here as suggesting that governmentality research has, you know, since his death, you know, these are the the children and grandchildren, intellectually speaking, of Foucault, um, that that governmentality research has sort of left Foucault somewhat weak as a critical scholar. Um, and, and in a sense that the, the accusations of Zamora and people like that are going to be much more accurate when they're applied to governmentality studies, you know, the, the cottage industry in academia known as governmentality studies, uh, much more than they are to Foucault. So, um, in this light, then, I suppose there's a tension between the, the, the current state of governmentality studies and um, this more critical, maybe even left-wing sort of orientation that Foucault had originally intended for the term. So maybe I can just put you on the spot here. You know, I've long myself, for example, been an advocate of the idea that, that there's that there's this moment at the end of Birth of Biopolitics where Foucault comments on socialist governmentality and says that it it has yet to be invented. Um, and I, in a sense, you know, to, to, to just sort of shore up or to reinforce that, that critical um, intention that Foucault has with the term governmentality, um, you know, I, I almost read him as inviting us to, to do just that, to create a socialist governmentality. Um, you've done a lot of deep research on, 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 on Foucault's use of this term. You, you apply governmentality in your own work. Is it, is it vulgar to, to imagine that as that 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 there's a there's a socialist there's something called a socialist governmentality that Foucault would would approve of uh, <laughs> yeah um i don't i think not but i think that um i think that doesn't prevent others to to kind of think along these lines um okay um i think that maybe so, so there is, there is this, like I was saying in the, in the beginning, there is, he had this interest in, in, in the second, so-called second left in France. Um, and so they were working while it is, it is probably fair to say that they developed into something that, that, um, that may look like third way politics in, in, uh, in the UK. Right, and, of course. Uh, but at least in the beginning, it was informed by a lot of other, uh, uh, ways of thinking it was about uh, democratizing uh, the workplace um um it was inspired by both the the, the solidar movement in in poland and uh, and the experimentation in uh, in the uh, in yugoslavia um and so so a lot of different uh, um things that were about um you know still within a uh, uh, highly marxist way of thinking but but focusing on um on the importance of, uh, of, for instance, the power relations within the factory and so on, how to change those. Um, but um, 
I think we, but I think it's, it's, it's really, I really don't want to go that way <laughs> too much because I think it's kind of, it's kind of, again, it's kind of, I don't think we can say a lot about these. It's really circumstantial evidence. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's, it, it, what, what is, what is a really good way of thinking about it is the, the way that you put it. it. It's, it's like, what, what he's doing is, 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 is putting up a challenge <laughs> and as well as an invitation. He never, he never, uh, let's say, he never took it on himself, but he's, it is these challenges and perhaps also, uh, uncomfortable questions to, to, to those on the left that, um, uh, hey, I think you should, um, you should pay attention to this. <laughs> uh, if, if not, uh, you are ending up, um, adopting, uh, a governmentality that is, is, is not socialist. That's, that's at least his, his claim, I think. It's 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 the it's the claim that, for instance, if you don't take into account uh, um, the disciplinary forms of power that are governing the factories and the schools and so on, if you don't mm-hmm. if you don't question them, then you end up uh, in a regime like the Soviet regime, which is might have another way of organizing the means of production, but still a highly problematic way of <laughs> of organizing uh, the everyday life of people through the state. Right. Yeah. Um, brilliant. So, uh, and, and, and I guess the more, the more contemporary issue, I think is, and it, I don't have answers to that, but I think it's, it's why this is important, not just to understand the seventies in France, but to, to kind of push, push things forward in, in to today's political climate is, you know, how to, how, how do we actually, um, deal with the very important issues of, um, rising inequality, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the global uh, elites, um, uh, you know, this transnational capitalism and all these very, very important is- issues while also, uh, keeping in mind that we should also pay attention to, um, you know, the, 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 the way that, uh, for instance, the way that workfare schemes actually uh, in in the very sort of mundane way, are actually in many ways underpinning these these ideas of they, for instance, workfare schemes in Denmark have been a key key way to to um, to you know le- legitimize the dynamics of the labor market, also the the dynamics of inequality on, on the labor market, and I think that there is a in, in um, there's a there's a problematic sort of nostalgia in in certain uh, parts of the left of of going back to some kind of um um yeah a golden age era welfare state that kind of neglects these kind of more um mundane everyday issues of of of, of state power you could say yeah um yeah. so how are we actually going to um, yeah increase the, the 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 autonomy and 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 freedom of of for instance the the unemployed people uh uh without um without just uh subscribing to to uh, a very uh conservative work ethic for instance which you may find uh in in some some parts of the left well magnus this was a great conversation um any final words no, I think that you know if I, if if I should just go along a bit on that and that uh, because I, I really find it uh, 
Mm. Um, I really find it sort of important for for today's uh, um, thinking. Also, uh, you know, we haven't talked about the um, the Corona COVID nineteen crisis and so Please. on, but um, yes. So now we see this. So so it's interesting that Samoa and and many of his fellow fellow writers also they also um, kind of <laughs> very uh, enthusiastic critics of of uh, universal basic income. Um, um, kind of seeing universal basic income as uh, yeah yet another kind of neoliberal uh, scheme. Um, um, and, and now you see, for instance, in Denmark that. Just all of a sudden, you see actually that uh, due to the Corona crisis, we our our bene- our social benefits actually work like um, kind of a universal basic income, at least on a temporary means. So all kind of workfare mm-hmm. schemes are mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. suspended, um, and I think that raises yeah, it raises important. Um, so so I I I I get there. I, I'm sympathetic to the critique of that the universal basic income can definitely turn into some kind of, uh, you know, very low standard legitimating um, uh, inequalities and 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 many of the yeah rising inequality and so on. But I also think that it points to to really some. It's also a really important. Um, Means it can be a really important means to question and uh, kind of change the power dynamics that are going on, for instance, within the so-called job centers all around the Western world now, um, um, and an important means to actually um, decouple ourselves from um, from this, yeah, individualizing and also responsibilizing. Uh, tendency of uh, thinking about unemployment as, as the problem of, of the individual and uh, uh, so so I think that's what is now why this is really an interesting time is that so so we have this long trajectory of, of these labor market reforms so-called active labor market reforms but but now all of a sudden we have a huge experiment of something that looks like a universal basic income actually. And uh, it's really interesting to see how that will change. Um, um, yeah, also on a, on a more sort of uh, macro level, uh, leg- legitimacy of certain neoliberal forms of thinking and so on. Well, Magnus, I was going to say goodbye, but I think um, just one maybe last question, if you'll indulge me. Um, one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking earlier on about Gores and uh, people like that, and I know you mentioned Gores and Glucksmann in your piece, and all of these guys are kind of, you know, I don't think you mentioned Deleuze in your piece, but they're all kind of in and around this kind of moment in post-68 New Left history, which for people like Zamora are exemplary of this um instinct that uh, the state is itself an apparatus of social control. And I just, I can't, can't quite let you go without asking you maybe to speculate on the idea uh, that, uh, you know, Deleuze and Foucault did ultimately split on this question. And, And I don't know if this is something that you've actually studied or not, but, but didn't they fall out on this and and isn't there a sort of a sense that um we 
do tend to read Foucault today through Deleuze, or, or if that's unfair, at least um, that uh, we kind of see within Foucauldian research or within the Foucauldian paradigm, if that's a better way to put it, um, you know, a, a kind of basically two different directions that we can go. On the one hand, there is the Agamben uh, iteration where where it's sort of, um, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a sense that, that Foucault had a blind spot and that we needed to address it vis-a-vis uh, -vis the state. And then on the other hand, there's this kind of more liberal instinct, which I suppose in some ways I myself um, lean toward, aware in fact the state is seen as something more like an instrument um, of, of human agency. Uh, can Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Kind of that trajectory, the delusion interpretation of Foucault is kind of what you see in both. You see it in, I, I think, Agamben is a kind of delusion reading of Foucault. And I, and, uh, and I, I, I think you find the same in, in Haranegre's uh, uh, empire. And, um, um, and I think that is, um, yeah, that is really kind of, it's kind of the interpretation that Foucault himself was, was warning, warning against and didn't want to do this kind of, uh, experts might might uh, might might be disagree, but I think that so you have this uh, this um, this important essay uh, by Deleuze, which is called um, "Societies of Control" or something like that. You know, in which in which he says that uh, you know Foucault uh, he diagnosed the disciplinary society that was the society of. Um, uh, uh, up to the seventies. Now we live in the societies of, of control. So, so you have this, it's, it's, it's the example of this holistic, comprehensive analysis of this, of society or the state or whatever being, you know, so you can interpret everything, uh, along this, the, 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 this idea of, um, control. Right. Or, uh, in Haranike's interpretation, you have everything that comes down to, to bio, biopower or whatever. Right. So you have, and, uh, in Agamben, you have uh, everything come down to the, to the camp or, uh, or some other variety of, of, of biopolitics or biopower. And, and so you have this holistic, uh, interpretation and diagnosis that, that you then, Basically, can put everything into it and interpret it as an example of this, uh, which I think uh, Agamben's uh, interpretation of the COVID nineteen crisis is is kind of exemplary of the problem of the pro problem with with such a diagnosis. You know, you can you can fit everything into it, and then you have everything kind of uh, you have uh, this self reinforcing narrative uh, in Agamben's case of of this. Um, fascist, quasi-fascist state. Uh, and I think Foucault uh, really, and in particular when he did the, started doing the security territory and population uh, lectures was really not to uh, derive from this idea of the state as a, this he calls it the cold monster, right? And instead, um, instead what he says that we should look into the governmentalization of the state. So the various rationalities of government that are informing the state. Um, and he also says that we should see it as this composite mix of different forms of power. Yes, there is biopower, bio bio, bio power, but there's also sovereign power and there's also 
um, disciplinary power. Um, this this famous triangle model. Yeah, yeah but it's still it's it's just an, you may question that triangle, but it's still yeah. uh, it's it's the importance of 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 not insisting on this holistic, um, comprehensive analysis in which you can sort of deduce everything from from this key one concept. I don't know that. Um... You know, it's been a while since I've read that Deleuze postscript piece, but, you know, it, it seems to me that uh, he was talking there about kind of the need to invoke some sort of post-disciplinary mode of power and that Foucault hadn't been precise enough about the coordinates. Yeah, and I think that's 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 really fair. And I think that's, you know, as a as a post, as a really, really short postscript mm. essay, it's an excellent essay. And I was, I've been inspired mm. by it a lot, but you know, but then if you say, if you take it as, as this macro diagnosis, which I think that both in, in different ways that that, that is what Haranike does in Empire and what, what right. Agamben has been doing in his own way. Um, you kind of, yeah, hmm. there's this danger that, you know, whatever, Whatever how society is evolving, you can always fit it into your yeah. your macro uh, diagnosis, yeah. and your your usually your very dystopian uh, uh, view on uh, uh, on society. Brilliant, Magnus. All right, man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I suppose you must be getting on towards dinner time. There, I'll let you get, get let you get <laughs> exactly. back to your family. Um. So enjoy the rest of your. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. But it was a pleasure. All right, mate. Thank you so much. Take care now.